You are now listening to Castle Black, the blackest Game of Thrones podcast in all of the realms. Castle Black is created by the For All Nerds team and is hosted by DJ Ben Amin, Tatiana Keen Jones, and Portia Patterson. Our show is edited and produced by DJ Ben Amin. Castle Black by For All Nerds is powered by our listeners. Everything we do from our podcasts, live events, website, and more are independently funded. Please continue to support us through our Patreon page at patreon.com slash forallnerds. Castle Black. So this is the seat of the Night's Watch. podcast in all the lands it is me tatiana king jones your host aka the three-eyed raven simone toffee baratheon lord of lightsabers and a girl has no other nicknames and i'm joined here by ben high of the means <laughs> aka the redemption of rickon draco yargarian uncle benjamin's rice and peas uh. the iron price is right <laughs> <laughs> Is it? Is the it? Iron Price right? Always, no. always. What is dead can never die. You got to sit with that one for a little bit. But also joined in this uh, castle, we also have. Hi, everyone. This is Portia Patterson Hurst, aka the Three Eyed Ravenclaw, aka a girl. What am I on now? Um, <laughs> AKA... <laughs> Sorry about that, y'all. Um, aka. Uh, Mary J. Ain of yes. High Garden, and I'm ready to start today's episode. Yes. So as usual, we are here to talk Game of Thrones. We are here to recap the seasons leading up to the final, amazing, stupendous, hopefully, last season of Game of Thrones. I say hopefully, but like I'm not already hyped for it. I don't. I don't really need to be hyped up anymore. At I this mean, point. we hype for a lot of things. Like we hype for Endgame, but you know, yeah. either of these could be the worst. Like you know, you never know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This you is... never know. This could be season four. You know, season eight could be like season Ooh. four. Yeah, so to, to Ben Amin's point, this episode is us covering season four of Game of Thrones, which was, at least for me, a bit shaky and not that entertaining. But there's some important, important things have come to pass during this season. Some important people have been introduced and subsequently uh, removed <laughs> in the same season. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you get to... The word. Thank, My man's did not make a season. Thank George R.R., <laughs> you know, first of his name from Bayonne, New Jersey for that because, <laughs> Lord Jesus. But, uh, but yeah. You made but, such an impression on the ground. But before before we get through uh, the the season four recap, we have to talk through our season three. As you guys may have realized, every episode we do a recap poll thread on our Castle Black Twitter account. That's at Castle Black. 
pod. If you're not following, follow that ASAP because we talk everything Game of Thrones on that account. And during our season poll, excuse me, season three poll, we asked a few very important questions to try to get some of you guys' thoughts on about your favorite characters, your favorite houses, who do you think was, you know, on the level, who just lost everything. Um, the first major question we asked was um, for season, and this is, a re- again, about season three, which Stark allies should have kept their heads or should keep their heads? You had uh, Blackfish, Bride and Tully, Edmure, Frey Groom, Jojen, or Mira. Who did you guys pick? Do you remember who these people are? <laughs> Let's um, be real. Do you remember who these people are? I know who Blackfish, um, Mira, and Jojen, they're the, oh, the, the okay. two yeah, kids, the whatever. two random fucking kids. Yeah, my, oh man, Jojen. Fuck them kids. Man, Jojen, Jojen got, well, yeah, got fucked. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Um, but 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 the question was, which Stark allies should keep their heads? Meaning, you know, who's actually done their just due to? Who's the other one? Blackfish, the kids, and Edmir, Edmir Telly. Oh Jesus. <laughs> yeah. You know, low. This is Blackfish. I mean. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I picked Blackfish as well. I, I believe I picked Blackfish as well. Um, it's funny. This actually ended up in a tie. Wow. People have said both Blackfish and Mira should keep their heads, meaning, you know, they're, they're allies to the Stark family, trying to make it happen for the Starks. They're trying to keep these people alive because it's quiet for them. Poor Jojen dies for the kids and he still don't get no <sighs> votes. Jojen, let me see how many votes Jojen got. Let me go back. Ooh, 15%. Jojen. Nobody I mean, was fucking died with Jojen. Nobody. Cause. I think it's really more so because people don't remember who these people are. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if that speaks poorly to the characterization of these people or just to the fact that in season three, you just probably had the most people being introduced out of all seasons. So I don't know. But that's that was the results. Um, Jojen was yeah. on the show longer than Oberyn, though. Shit, you're uh, facts. Yeah. You're right, actually. You're he right. Was in season three. Yeah, and yeah. Four. He he went through two seasons. Yeah, yeah. I think Damn. that the actor who played Jojen had another project afterwards. He's done. Mistaken. He's done some other stuff. Yeah. I think he's in the um the Maze Runner. I think he's the Peter in the, Pan he's... live action. <laughs> That's the That's... Maze Runner. No, <laughs> I like the Maze Runner. No, he Runner. just looks like he's part of the Lost Boys. He damn sure does. So I. <laughs> I... This man. Um, <laughs> the next poll, uh, who deserves, again, this is from season three, who deserves the Thraki curb stomp first? Mm. Your choices are Ramsey Snow, Roose Bolton, Walder Frey, or Joffrey Baratheon. I was really upset that Walder was actually running neck and neck when I voted with Ramsey <laughs> because there's no fucking way. Like, there, there's a clear, clear is winner. There, yeah, is there a clear winner? It's Ramsey. It's Ramsey every time. Well, it's funny because they, this was a, this person actually had a slight edge with one extra percent, winning with thirty three percent was Joffrey. What? Yes, followed closely with thirty two percent by Ramsay Snow. I forgot Joffrey was on there. Like to me, Joffrey doesn't even pales in comparison to Ramsay. To, to the evil well, we, Ramsay. We, we talked about this the other day, yeah. but see the other the other episode. But I remember I was with uh, Portia on this one when I felt like, well, at the time anyway, Joffrey has more. Power. Yeah. Power. He has he has more of a of Reach. a of a what's the word? A ripple effect in yes. what he does versus Ramsey who's a, a bastard snow just in, in the wind doing whatever the fuck he's doing. Yeah, so But as we see as the seasons go on, this wow. man Ramsey does his ripple effect grows pretty large. This is facts. Yeah. Um Pick your team. That was the next question. Basically, who do you think would be the best team in this group? You have the Tyrells, the Unsullied, the Night's Watch, or the Brotherhood Without Banners. 
Uh, if you don't remember who Brotherhood Without Banners is. <laughs> Come on, we remember who they are. You, you, not, you know who terrible. they are. They, they, they're not bad. Dundarian. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> they got some love. Dude had a flaming sword. I, every time I ever say his name, I just think of Thundercats. Dundarian. 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 Like, I just yeah. like the name. Yeah. I, I like saying his name. But uh, Barrick? Yes, Eric. Eric Dundarian. Like Benjamin and Eric together. It's like he doubled no. up. No, he, he his shit sounds straight up like some Conan and Barbarian yeah, shit. Yeah. Like it's it's for real. So and he still didn't win. Still did not. <laughs> when does he ever? A no. man named Worm. He, he got he, he got in third place. Yeah, the person who won or the people who won who I also voted for were the yeah, Unsullied. Me too. I mean, who out of all these people, who would you? Why would you not pick the Unsullied as your peoples? They're not gonna steal your girl. There's no. Fi- oh wow! <laughs> wow! Shots fired. I mean, this is facts. This is, this is very true. But yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, the nice watch is the nice watch. Half of them niggas don't want to be there. Uh, the Tyrells, <laughs> you know, they they could be powerful, but you know, it, it's really all headed up by Elena. Yeah. And you know, if you, if, if Elena's not like around, they soft. Right. If they're not around, it's, it's it's over. It's quiet for them. And then the Sully, there's no fear. There's no pain. There's no nothing. They've There's just like had the worst cut ever. we had the worst of the. You being over here first comes to deepest, like it's over for them. That's so sad. Look. <laughs> yeah. Look. Yeah. Let me tell you. There are certain things, you know. In season three, who's most useful when it counts? Brienne the Hound, Miss Sandy, or Samuel Tarly? In season three, damn sure ain't Brienne, damn sure ain't the Hound. Um, (laughs) Miss Sandy, I mean, Miss Sandy. She didn't. She's just there for comic relief, you know. When dude gets burned up, it ain't really like. No, it's it's definitely. I mean, she did her job as translator. I mean, she, she did. Like, yeah. <laughs> out. She's like the ghost meme where she yeah. just like puts the deuces up and it fades yeah. away. Misanda is dub versus sub. Like, yeah. you know, no, it's definitely. Which anime do you want to watch today? <laughs> it's definitely um Samuel Tarly. Uh, you're wrong. It's actually Brienne with 41 percent of the she vote. She was straight useless. I I actually voted for her. And Wait, in season three? It says season three. Yeah, uh, she, she was listening. Again, I think this is similar to what we talked about last week where people are taking the whole view of their usefulness. She was kind of useless in season four, too. But no, remember, <laughs> she was still guarding Jamie and doing all that. I know, running around. Yeah. So she is useful. People were learning about her in season yeah. three. Remember that. You were learning about her strength. You were learning about yep. her character, of, of her solidness as a person. I mean, she's amazing, but... Yeah. Well, I, I voted for three, her. No, I, I no, voted for her. Yeah. But following behind her was Samuel with twenty eight, then the Hound, and then Missandei with a paltry six percent. Yeah. No. So, um, who wins the war? The war of words, meaning who got that? You know, who got that clapback clap back game? Mm-hmm. Um, ooh, this is wow. Okay, the choices <laughs> were Littlefinger, Tywin, Lannister, Varys, or Elena Tyrell. You know who I voted for. I know who most people voted for, but I believe Varys was taking some wins when I voted. Right, but this is about who, who can clap back the most, who got the tongue, like who got the... Varys had one. I'm not sure if it was in season three or four, but Varys has a few where it's like... He be saying some shit. Yeah, it's epic. No, um, as yeah. great as Elena is, Varys has more clapbacks. So. But the only thing is when he goes up against Elena, she's, uh, again, that's where she's just like, I thought you were going to be more interesting yeah. to spar with and you yeah. give me nothing. Nothing, yeah. Oof. So Elena wins. All right. Elena did win. I voted for her. She got 65%. Goddamn. Uh, followed by Varys and Tywin. And guess who got 0% of the vote? Littlefinger. He, he doesn't really have... 
Yeah. Little I mean, don't say shit because he's always plotting some he's always, shit. He's, he's doing shit. He's more yeah. of a doer than a sayer. But he, he don't does got that. talk stuff to Varys. Like, you hear Varys. Yeah. But that's between them. That don't yeah. matter. It's inconsequential. Like, that's like me and you whispering out some, some dumb shit. Like, who else is going to hear it? Does it matter? Not really in the, game, the grand scheme of things. Olana will tee your face said, I just want to let you know you ugly as fuck. Your house is weak. Your house is weak. Uh, your breath stank. Like she, she will come up to you and tell you about your whole life story. Uh, curse your kids and your and the kids' kids and keep it moving like nothing happened. You know, on her way to McDonald's. So, uh, who had the best Game of Thrones season three? The Tyrells, the Lannisters, the Wildings, or the Freys? Hmm. Hmm. Who did I vote for? I think I voted for the Tyrells because they came up. They were on the low after um, Renly died, and they used their like richness and their powers to able like to come through for the Battle of Blackwater. And then season three sees them coming all the way up to Marjorie, like becoming queen, basically. That's so. why I voted for them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd, I'd probably give it to them too. And they won with fifty percent, followed by the Lannisters. And no one cares about the Wildlings or the Freys. No. And then lastly, who had the worst Game of Thrones season three? The Starks, the Night's Watch, the Baratheons, <laughs> the or Starks, the Greyjoys. <laughs> Always the Starks. For at least for four, for, for seven seasons, the Starks have it the worst. It has not been good. That's like the weirdest part to me. Like, how, I mean, I get that everyone. I, I understand why everybody loves the Starks because I, I also have a spot in my heart for the Starks, but oh. it's also. I have a spot in my heart for Arya. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's like at the same time I don't like I'm with John and so I'm not with John anymore it's just like it's a point like I'm just like okay look at him like going with the Night's Watch like leading things taking over doing what he needs to do yeah. and then it all like then he starts. be doing his light skin squint and I can't and then it just all falls it. down um, so yeah it's weird to me how everyone like feels for them and it's like I feel like it has to be an underdog kind of thing because it seems like a lot of people are really like in the fandom and love the Starks and yeah. it's Weird. Well, I will say at least through season three, I was still upset about just how just how they was just taking the L over and over. Like once they father got got with the true death, I was just like it just seemed like the worst because remember Arya's still on the run at this point. And again, I think it's really just all related to Arya and her problems and her travels and her tr- literally trying to fighting for her life. All this hiding and running around, and that's. That's maybe where, to your point, where people feel bad about because it's like they're just constantly on the run and they can't seem to get them shit together. But I, I don't know. But Starks did win with 73%. As having taken the L. As having <laughs> taken the L with the worst season. Like, no, yeah, no, no the Starks are the worst. And I, I understand that people consider them the heroes of the story or whatever, but I never have. I've always, from season one, I thought they were idiots. I think, you know, they it goes down the line from Ned pretty much down to John. Um. Yeah. Sorry. No. Yeah, I mean, y'all y'all have uh, graves, which are very good likenesses of you guys. So I mean, y'all was like planning on it. Like, <laughs> we gonna make it. So let's make these likenesses look as good as possible. There's like a there's a theory that something's going on with those crypts in Winterfell. Like, there's yeah. a reason why there has to be a Stark on Winterfell at all times. I saw that. I saw that. I've seen that. But that's also what explain. If you think about it, if you think about all the early promos for the next season, they they have there was one clip where they had showed the, t- the remaining Stark children by their crypt, by mm-hmm. their likenesses, and they keep pushing that understanding of having to be in Winterfell, having death obviously, but also seeing their own death. So, it's something weird going on, something something fantastical happening, who knows what, but I agree. Maybe the dragons will wake it up. 
some oh, maybe, oh wait, there's some White Walker slash dragon shit. Yeah, I don't like, know because they say like they say Winterfell is in the deep uh, north, but for some ha- reason they're able to have hot springs that keep the whole castle warm. So some there people like. There's fan theories like, oh, there's a dragon underneath, which makes no, no. sense. But <laughs> Ben Ape said no. He's not entertaining this bullshit but, whatsoever. I just watched the Flat Earth documentary on Netflix. <laughs> I'm not here for no nonsense. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm Rob Stark with his Flat Earth theory bullshit. That's why your ass died. No, but I'm just thinking, and I'm not here for that theory, but I think, like, if there's some, you know how, like, t- um, the world like on the myths back of and, like, and, like, folklore, <laughs> like, they're based on some, like, there's actually some legit story behind the myth, but you mm-hmm. just don't know what it is. Maybe there's something about dragons in Winterfell that people just haven't, like, pulled together yet. Like, me, I don't know what it is. I'm not saying it's that. another ice dragon. It's the previous one that the wild <laughs> that the Night King turned into ice. Oh, well, technically, it's under there. Technically, that's not an ice dragon. Yep. Right, it's a death dragon. And I don't know Syrian what is a that is. A night dragon. dragon. It's a death dragon that yeah. shoots yeah. Night that shoots dragon? blue fire, which is hotter than yeah. regular fire, but can also free. It's some weird, fucked up shit happening. Okay, but anyway, we'll get to that in a little bit because we have to get into our season four recap. As I mentioned at the top of the show, season four, as Ben I mean mentioned, which I also agree, just watching it was a little bit of a chore. Uh, it didn't seem like it was too much going on. You had a lot of the main characters pretty much stuck in the same place, specifically Dar- uh, Daenerys uh, and a few other people. But you did have some introductions to new people. Just going in order, um, the the intro to this season, you get to see um, the planning for the royal wedding with uh, Marjorie and uh, what's, the, what's that nigga's name? Joffrey. <laughs> oh, Lord. Look. Look, it all ends, you know, and yeah, like you said, we had the planning for the royal wedding, so we have the introduction of some of everyone's favorite characters, the Martell family, yeah. comes in from Dorne to attend the wed wedding, which includes Oberyn Martell and his lover, Alaria Sand, mm-hmm. and they come in uh, to attend the wedding, but also because Oberyn specifically is looking for revenge for his sister, Elia Martell. Who was killed during uh, that's Robert's Rebellion, mm-hmm. previous to the show starting in the whole war that pretty much set everything in motion that we're in now. And uh, she was killed by the mountain and raped, and her, oh God, it's so brutal. Her baby son was murdered in front of her, right? Yeah, so um, I want to believe they had three kids. One of them was an infant. She she was told that she couldn't have any kids after that kid. Like, every time she had a pregnancy, it was a really bad, like, delivery. So Mm -hmm. after that, they're like, no more kids. Um, And apparently, um, so, so many things. Um, So apparently, whenever... um, Lannister rolled in. Pycelle told the Mad King to let him in. They came through. They ransacked King's Landing. And um, Tywin Lannister told the Mountain and the Mountain's crew. And the Mountain's crew, um, if you think about it, the Mountain always takes a crew of like really sadistic people with yes. him wherever he goes. Um, and whenever he goes to the chambers, the royal chambers, they just go and they like rape her, her maids, women, all of the people that are hanging out with them. Now, what, and he for, kills the kids in front of them and then they dash the newborn baby's head against the wall. Yeah. Like it's really graphic. Um, mm. For people who don't understand, who is uh, Elia Martell exactly? Like she is, at, before the show starts, she's married to 
Rhaegar, Rhaegar. Targaryen. Yeah. So, and that's a major thing because um, literally, like, if you every time you hear it in the show, and then even like Tywin Lannister talks about it when he asks um, Oberyn to be part of the trial like committee and to be mm-hmm. on the like the small council, he says we need someone from Dorne to be on there when Daenerys comes with her dragons because Dorne is the only place in Westeros that was n- never under Targaryen rule, mm-hmm. um, and the only reason why the Targaryens and Dorne ev- and well, like the Seven Kingdoms came together was that Elia got married to Rhaegar. That was yep. the only time in the history of Westeros where Dorne and like Westeros came together. Mm-hmm. Um, so even I think there's like a couple of times they try to have marriages in between them to do it work, and maybe one other one had worked, but in recent history that was the only tie between Dorne and the rest of Westeros was that one marriage. And then Rhaegar leaves Elia to get with um, Jon Snow. Lyanna. 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 Stark. Yeah, Stark. Um, and it's weird. I, it's funny that like Oberyn talks about it because literally no one's supposed to know yeah. what happened. Uh, they think that, well, they know that they think that he raped her, yep. but they don't think that he was in love, love with, with her. her. Yeah. So it's weird that Oberyn talks about it that way because it Every, as far as everyone else in Westeros knows, um, they just think that he went, took her off, did something like, you know, they were all like having sex or whatever. And then like he just came back for the war. Like it was nothing serious. Mm-hmm. Um, so whenever Oberyn alludes to like, oh, he just like left her. It was it's a weird thing. Like, yeah. Um, and there's a lot of things that go on this season in season four. There's a lot of like exposition mm-hmm. um, of like characters like talking out loud about things that mistake. Like, <laughs> right. In the books, <laughs> it's just like, you know, you, you ha- in the books, you can read their thoughts. So, you yeah. know what's going on. But in the season, it's just so weird to have like exposition like um, Lysa telling the whole story about how she and Littlefinger schemed to like kill her husband and that's why it, it just seems so not just slow but also seems stupid because I'm like this is the typical like oh this is the scene where the hero runs into the villain the, the, the big bad and says and the, and the villain finally gives the entire detail about well I did this yeah. because I want everybody to turn into dinosaurs and shit and it's just like nigga I just killed you you're dead like why are we talking about this I just feel like it was too much it's too much talking, Look, and it and it matters that it's too much talking because people suffer because of it. Lysa's whole speech is the worst. Her whole insanity oh, plea gosh. is the worst. But it is all made up by that shot of Littlefinger giving her the double hand push yes! off. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. This happens in this season. We're going to get there. He's like, yo, it is so great. It's like, like, we're going to get there. So we introduced, we introduced the Martell. I rewound that so many times. It's the best. It's the best. Oh, but but we got to get there. One more thing about Oberyn. Um, So yes, Oberyn, um, so the Martells, Dorn, blah, 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 blah. So because they have this like unsteady relationship with Restoros and the like five kingdoms and everyone. They are able to exploit it. They don't have to go and do serve anybody if they don't want to. Um, they only show up when they want to. And Oberyn, he has a little bit of history with people like from like the lower part of um, Westeros because they're close to Dorne. So he and the Tyrells have history. Yes, because yes. um, they are like their neighbors basically. Mm-hmm. And there was a tournament once where. Um, Oberyn competed against the heir of the mm-hmm. Tyrells, the Tyrells. Yep. who's actually named Willis Tyrell and they don't talk about it in the series they, they make they make him out um, but he was like the he's a really cool he's like he's very similar to Rhaegar and very, he's like very academic and he likes to do like fun things um, and he was pretty good at riding a horse so he and Oberyn get into like what like the melee or tournament or whatever um, they're jousting and then Oberyn like 
he fights with a poison needle, a, p- a poison uh, staff. Yeah. yeah, excuse me. Um, and so um, Oberyn takes out his horse, and his horse is like. Um, reacting to having poison in his system and it rolls over mm-hmm. the air of the Tyrells. It breaks his legs so he's no longer able to do all the air things. Um, and the Tyrells say they don't blame the Martells for that, but yep. they kind of do. Um, and it's an interesting thing. I don't think that... It, it, I think it would be interesting if they had, had like brought that up in the show a bit more, but they don't um, because they got rid of that character. But it's actually a lot like politically going on there, and um, Oberyn feels guilty about that. So as a character, like Oberyn is very like in-depth. There's so many different components to him, and they just made it this one thing for the show, which messes it up. But it's so wild that he messed himself up. But I also feel yeah. like they do give you just enough. Like that's the thing. There's a thing in writing, and especially in TV writing versus book writing, where you don't want to overdo it. And yeah. I feel like Oberyn gets all of that. Like you understand that this dude is a man of layers. Like, yeah. you he, like they explain he's a prince who went off to fight in fighting pits when he had no reason yeah. to be doing that. So he's obviously a worldly dude, and they give you enough of that. Cause they Oberyn, do, which is why I fucked with him so heavy. everyone loved him so much. You know, like, he was like the best character. He's this dude who's sitting there, you know, having sex with a dude and being like, look, I get dudes, I get women, I get it all, I don't care. You know, so you get all of that greatness in this dude. You know, I, I feel like, I feel you, there's always you could give him more, but I, I feel like Oberyn does get a lot of different levels and layers and facets or whatever before he, you know. I wish he was just there. Like maybe my thing is I wish he was there longer. I wish oh, he got yeah, to I mean, obviously, yeah. Back. Like, if he came in the season before yeah, and could see yeah. that, that would mm-hmm. be really cool. Yeah, um, oh, well. And I was bringing that up to say the Sand Snakes, whenever they come in, get really pissed about that. I will have something to say when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we all will. So, so. <laughs> they started off so smooth too it's like oh shit shit. they about to do it and then so so like I said the first episode you get your introduction to the Mattels particularly Oberyn the the the, uh, not Han Solo but the uh, uh, what I wanted to name him um I lost that whole train of thought. Wow. (laughs) I lost my entire train of thought. But he is the uh, Lando Calrissian of the Game of Thrones world. Um, We mentioned the fact that you have this royal wedding being prepared. Uh, Jon Snow comes back from loafing with the wildlings, and he has to explain himself about where the fuck he's been. And then also you have your return of Arya getting her sword back. And then Daenerys on her march towards Marine. Um, the issue with Daenerys this season is that I felt like she was pretty much in the same place like all the time. Like, yes, she was. I just felt like she didn't do much this season. Well, this is, I, I guess, the problem that the uh, show writers are trying to solve that George R. R. Martin still hasn't solved either. Is like he has these characters in all these different places, and now how do you get them together? And Daenerys, at this point, should be moving into Westeros. Like, they have to invent reasons why she stays where she's at over in Essos or wherever she's at. So, yeah... Martin, as great as he is, I mean, he really named that shit Westeros and Essos, Essos. like West and East. I like. mean, you gotta, you gotta take the easy way out whenever you're building too much. Like, yeah. your brain has to, like, do shortcuts everywhere, you know, a couple of different places. Yeah, so, so that's the problem. And so she has to, you know, they invent this idea that, well, she's taken, you know, Marine or whatever, but the other slavers they, are now They invent revolting. this idea that she's now Abraham Lincoln going yeah. around freeing all the slaves and whatnot. And being a politician and shit. You know, I mean, but Demon this, Slayer, is, a, this is, is also a plot line in the book, though, to be like, like, that's this is, this is what George wanted. Yeah. And All right, George. it makes sense yeah. in a way that, like, 
she has no governance experience. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I see where he was trying to go and like... You can see that she has no governance. <laughs> the way <laughs> shit be going down and blowing up in her face, you can see that but she has I no feel, governance Exactly. Experience. And I feel like that's what he was trying to like ramify, like remedy there. It was like, he's like, oh, like, let's give her a chance to like govern something before she starts to go somewhere and govern something. Yeah, well, well, Daenerys and governing is very... Very boring. loose, very boring. Yeah, I mean, uh, isn't all governance boring but, but, but to I a think, certain extent? Eh, what I also think the whole situation with Daenerys is boring is because um, it's when you get the most limitations on her dragons as well. Like she's starting to see that she, the dragons are getting older, they're getting bigger, mm-hmm. um, they're getting less um, controllable. Yeah, if you want to use that phrase, and they're starting to cause a lot of trouble, and trouble that that causes her to to have to fall into this governance role where it's like I have to start making decisions that are best for my people or best for the world or whatever. And and I don't agree with the decisions. I just, you know, I just feel like there's other ways you can go about it, but it is what it is. I mean, another thing that's annoying about this is that it's like her people, but they're not her people. Like she literally like decides to stick in Marine because it's one of it's one of the biggest best cities in Slavers Bay. She learns that the other cities that she liberated in quotes went back to slavery. Went right back to Yunkai slavery. Yunkai and the other one yeah. went right back to slavery. She like, so she's like, you know what? I can't be a white savior if I don't actually like keep them saved. So that's why she decides to stay Marine and try her hand at governing. Which forces her, as you know, like we say, for most of the season to do not much, and then to end the season, she has to lock up the two remaining dragons because Drogon. Uh, Cause they wild. Drogon's a wild boy. And made it made the right choice of bounce. <laughs> yeah, I'm busting with Drogon. Drogon a wild boy. But can we talk about like the fact, like how sad it is that um, Viserys is one of the ones that gets locked up, so she has like the least, like Viserys has the least amount of time to be a free dragon. dragon yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's the smallest one. I think he's the smallest. I think he's the smallest. She named him after his weak ass brother. So facts. Yeah, I think he's the smallest one, and then you know catches that L. Right. Yeah. Yeah. R.I.P. Viserys. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so there's not really much for Daenerys to do, and this also because of that, this is the one season that doesn't end with like a shot of the dragons flying into the sky. Yeah, doing all kind of hot shit. This season, because them hoes is locked up under a temple. Yeah, and they was crying like I oh, felt bad. Like yeah. I'm like, this is this is brutal for the animals. She straight Let played them. them. Where's Peta? Like where y'all at? <laughs> she straight up played them too. It was like, doo doo. Let me just put these chains around y'all neck and slip on I mean, out of here. I mean, at the end of the day, for, for her, because she was trying to keep her power, and people were scared. Understandably, I mean, kids, were kids was getting cooked. <laughs> Sheep was getting cooked, and people was like, "Look, we can't follow you unless we know that you have full control over these monsters." Essentially, so she had to do it, um, I guess, to keep the greater peace together. But again, they're dragons. What do you want? Mm-hmm. Um, Can we backtrack a bit to yeah. this, to some purple? <laughs> to that purple, <laughs> that, that moment, yeah, the, the purple wedding um, name because of you know we saw the red wedding last season, and so this is the purple wedding. This is the purple wedding. Is it because Joffrey turns purple? Yes, but also yeah, like he hilarious. turns purple because the po- color of the poison is purple, <laughs> and it makes it strangles you. That Therefore, purple, purple, it's called the strangler. So we're, we're alluding we're alluding to the fact that in uh, season four, episode two, Get on poison. <laughs> Season four. <laughs> We're alluding to the fact that in season four, episode two, you get your 
major death that everyone's been waiting for and it's actually a very at least for me it was a very satisfying death you get both the wedding of Marjorie and Joffrey as well as the death of Joffrey by poison and this reminds me of the conversation we had last week uh, Portia where we had talked about poison being a woman's weapon mm-hmm. and things like that and I don't, you know at that point that's when people really need to start kind of connecting the dots about well who was responsible because um, during this this celebration event for the wedding you have Joffrey you have Marjorie and the Tyrells there you have um, was Jamie there by that? Yeah, he got yeah. back. Mm-hmm. Jamie was there. You had I mean, he raped Cersei. Cersei, so. Yeah, which we'll get into in a minute. But um, you, 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 you have Sansa there. You basically have the whole the whole crew of, of usual suspects there. Um, in addition, during this episode, you have uh, Tyrion, you know, doing the, being his, uh, super on his Superman. That's what I call being on his, uh, he was basically caping. Saving these hoes left and right. <laughs> um, saving Shay. Save Shay. Um, you also have the... Oh, that was the part I wanted to mention. The fact that you had Roose Bolton finally basically trying to at least um, put a, a pause to the brutality of Reek at this point because he criticizes Ramsey about, like, why are you... Why are you putting this? Why are you putting Theon through all this? Like, what's your point? All this other stuff. He doesn't really s- save Theon. He just kinds of pauses things for a bit. But at this point, Theon had went through the worst. Yeah, I don't. I, I really don't think there was much to be done for Roos. But getting back to uh, Joffrey, I love like you were talking about this earlier. How we really get into this whole characters talking out loud. I swear to God, there's like at least 10 mentions. It's not that many, but there are so many times where somebody's like, yo, you know, poison is a woman's weapon. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's so many different characters who made this point. So it's like, after a while, you're like, okay, Okay, I guess it's gotta be. Are you alluding to something about to come up in two minutes? Okay. I guess we know it ain't a dude who killed this little kid. Right. But, but, you know, and like I said, everyone points to, I mean, since we're talking about it, when it happens, you know, you see Cersei come running, screaming, crying, all that, holding her son. Funny mm. enough, she immediately, but we already know why, she hates the nigga. She immediately blames Tyrion and is like, arrest him ASAP, put him in the box, ice him out, all that stuff. But at the same time, you're looking around, unless, you know, if this is your first time watching, you're looking around like, wait a minute, who was responsible for this? Who has the most to gain from all this? You look at dumbass Sansa, you know, as as effed up as her life has been through that point, she's I, I at that point I didn't feel like she was ever had the gall within her to pull off something like that, mm-hmm. nor the imagination to pull off something like that at that point. She wasn't ready. Um, and like I said, you had all these other people who really had nothing much to gain from it, but then you have the Tyrells there who you know from Jump Street are there with ulterior motives. I just want to talk about, I mean, I'll talk about a lot of things, but I want to talk about right now how Cersei, like, how this shows once again that Cersei does not have the range because we keep like Tywin talks about this I think in season three um, and we keep seeing it come to play over and over again throughout the seasons where Cersei really thinks that she wants the power she wants the power she wants the power she gets the power she does dumb things with the power because she just does not think more than further than like having the power um, and so. When she's sitting over here, she's like, one of the things she does before Joffrey even gets poisoned is like, 
um, Marjorie, like, made an announcement, like, we're going to take all the leftovers and give it to the poor people. She goes to Grandmaster Paisel, and what does she do? Oh, can you just make sure that it's fed to the kennels? Like, I just want you to give it to the dogs. And he's like, what? And she's like, no, 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 give it to the dogs. And that's her power play. Mm -hmm. How short-sighted and dumb is that? And then also, like, that's, but that's just how she, that's what she thinks about power. Like, she doesn't see what there is to be gained by winning the people to you. She doesn't care about that. She just cares about making a power play against the Mar- the Tyrells as far as she can think. Because she feels like the people can't do anything for it. You know, and, and I don't even think it's even her just being short-sighted. I just think she doesn't care. She's, she does not care about the people. She's not there for the people. She's there for her but name and That is short-sightedness because those are the people who fight wars for you. Mm-hmm. Those are mm. the people who are going to defend you. If, if They're not going to be the first line of fire. It's going to be them. And you didn't learn from Blackwater Bay. Right. They're the people that you need to rally. You told you pulled your son in. He They needed him to be your mascot, but you didn't care about the She's short-sighted. She does not think past what she wants, her own personal motivations. And that's why when she calls out Tyrion, she doesn't because she doesn't think through what's going on here. Who would be gained from this? What would Tyrion gain from killing Joffrey after he and Joffrey just had a tit for tat right there? Mm-hmm. Like what's to be gained from that? So I and that's so like the short-sightedness of Cersei juxtaposed against the long vision that Alina Tyrell has. And how she was like, she knew enough to like, let's frame Sansa by giving like like working with Peter to get her that necklace. Mm-hmm. Um, I think on, on Lena's part, she didn't know that Peter was planning to save Sansa. Mm-hmm. He, she just knew that, oh, we're going to set Sansa up by giving her this necklace. Baelish. Baelish, you're talking about Peter P- Yeah, Peter right? Baelish, yeah. Um, so she's like, oh, you know, we're setting, up, setting it up for me not to be pointed at, like mm-hmm. for, for Tyrion and Sansa to get pointed at. And since they're at the high table just like I am, everyone's going to be looking at them. And then the next episode, you see she's like, I'm going to go back to Highgarden and I'm bouncing. Yep. She already, like, she had the long game already on board. Cersei, Tywin, none of them are playing it like she is. Mm-mm. So she's, no. I feel like she's the ultimate, like, gamer of Game of Thrones right now because she had like she had the long vision she's like I'm I know Tommen is going to be a good husband I'm not worried about that I'm gonna bounce back to Highgarden I'm gonna let all this play out the whole trial go on without me being here for people to like think through like wait a minute mm-hmm. Elena's here what would she do and that's why I ride for Elena Elena yeah. is plus 99 strategy and no one can beat her on that and and I just I just like how she moves she just she do what needs to be done and she dip like solid snake and it's a wrap and since we're talking about people who have uh, strategy moves and you were talking about Elena, we also have to talk about, you know, Baelish. Because Baelish, mm. even though like when earlier in the episode we were talking about how Baelish and when uh, him and the spider are going back and forth, they might be the only ones here in their world wars. But they are also probably still at this point the two most important players They are in very the important, game. yes. And like the ones who really set this whole thing off and are still making the long-term moves to see whatever side they want to the They're end. definitely affecting change to the greater to game. To the greatest, yeah, of yeah. it. And so in this season, we have Peter, you know, dipping off and going up to the Vale to hang out with Lysa and her dumbass son. <laughs> <laughs> it's always dumbass kids. It's just like, like what's your what's But Lysa's a dumbass kid. Again, the Tullys are dummies. I'm not going to go back from that. I'm yeah. going to say it to the end of all the Game of Thrones. The Tullys are the worst. Except for a Blackfish. Yeah. Black, ride for Blackfish. Yeah, ride for Blackfish. The rest of them are the worst. So he's up there and Lysa decides to, you know, get mad at him because she sees him kissing Sansa 
And so she's like, look, you did all this and really just spills the whole plot of the show. But that's even be- <laughs> like, the fact that it's like, it's like even before he even kissed Sansa, like she's like, she vacillates like from like one, she's like, she just keeps going from one side to the other. And she, cause it's like, she knows in her heart of hearts that Peter does not do anything unless it's for his advantage. Yep. And that she's somewhat being played. But at the same time, she has to feel like she's in love with him. But it's honestly just obsession. She's obsessed with him. Yeah. Well, Lysa has always been obsessed with him. Yeah. And yeah. then, you know, he, and it was clear back in the day because this, for people who don't know, this has been a long standing thing since they were like teenagers or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, Peter has Baelish has always had a thing for Catelyn Stark and with Liza was Liza her cousin or her sister that's her sister sister, sister. <laughs> oh no, yeah. don't forget the line yeah I'm, I've only yeah. been in love with one woman in this world so you know Liza being <laughs> Liza <laughs> Liza being obsessed with Baelish and seeing how Baelish essentially has ignored her for decades at this point um, she's 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 salty about it, and she's yeah. nep- she's always held that grudge against him through this time. So yes, to to your point, Portia, that she 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 oscillates between both sides about like she's she's looking at him sideways, like you know, I don't know if I trust you, but I love you mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And at the same time, she is out of her damn mind. God damn yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, let's not ignore let's, that let's, fact. Let's, oh, remember that's one thing I wanted to mention. We, for, we, for, we did not mention this in like the first uh, season recap, but yeah. legit, that lady was like breastfeeding a four-year-old? Which no, was, no, 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 no. Was he like Her seven? son, let's talk about... Her son is 12. And we're going to talk about this. <laughs> Liza's son, Robin, was 12, 13 years yeah. old, you know, uh, five foot five yeah. <laughs> drinking breast milk yeah. I'm like how is she still producing milk like that's just oh well I, you know this actually I, scientific yeah. if, it, if, you, if still you still do doing it, it yeah it I just, but it's just weird yeah. to me I'm just like they won't stop for not all women but yeah. lots of women like if you just continue the process like mm-hmm. you know if you just continue to breastfeed your child regardless it just keeps producing so <laughs> I mean like, we talk about listen, <laughs> we really need video listen, <laughs> but this is for real like we've talked I've seen studies and people reading about how they be breastfeeding kids today, five, six years old. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. The minute my kid... They got a full mouth of teeth. The minute yeah. my kid can walk up to me and be like, yo, mommy, pop that out. Yeah. I'd be like, whoa. Nope. 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 Whoa. Nope, nope, nope. If you can start asking for it by words, then you're a little too old for this. <laughs> you're too old for this. Um, so, but but that, that did happen. But, you know, what we did not talk about before that, before the whole situation with with uh with your girl <laughs> before that like i said we, we gotta we gotta make a point that after joffrey dies there's now a, a gap in the kingship right now you have this empty chair so somebody gotta fill it yes you know who that person is <laughs> my boy tommy <laughs> Nightwing. <laughs> my Nightwing. boy Nightwing. How's he Nightwing? <laughs> he's no Batman. Like, wait, where? My boy, he's, he's no Batman. He's no Batman. He's no Robin. He's, he's no he's Batman. Not Nightwing either. Like, he's my Nightwing. Man. He's like the worst. Of... Like, hey, hey, no, he's trying. Okay. <laughs> He's wait, trying. Wait, can we can we at least finish up Peter's finish. yeah Peter's journey and, yeah. and his ending of the Tully I mean rain pretty much like brings yeah. that to an end because Lysa's over here spouting out off the mouth 
He tells her that, you know, he's only loved one woman in his whole life. She gives this smile. I mean, you know, it's the, the scene is so well done because her smile, Sansa's reaction like, uh, he's not talking about you. <laughs> girl. <laughs> girl. 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 <laughs> and then his, your sister. You know? like, <laughs> and his double hand push off, folks. If you... If you're listening to the show, you've obviously seen it. Please just share my joy because, oh, my God, the way he pushes her off and her, ah, and she falls away. Oh, so, yeah, that's what, then, so that was the point I was going to get to before. So she does that, though. She's obsessed with Peter. And when he gets there, she's like, we're getting married. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Now. Yeah. And she's like, and I just want everyone to know, like, she's super extra. I'm going to, we're going to have sex, and I'm going to be, like, super loud about it. Yeah. And then later that night, you see Sansa just, like... Listening to she's it. She's just like, I just I just want to sleep, y'all. Yeah. Like, I'm not even, I don't even care, but, like, for it, Like, she's screaming, literally screaming. And then she, the next... And then the next, <laughs> yes. And then the next day, she, like, has that moment where she's vacillating, and she grabs Sansa, and Sansa's like... And you can, I feel like this is the first time we see Sansa actually Boss act. up, yeah. Like, yes. like, she's actually learned her lesson from being at court, where she's like, you're hurting me. I just don't, yeah. I didn't do anything. I don't know. She's like, she, I like, at first read, I think that you could seriously think that, take that as, like, Sansa actually being that way, but I think she's Mm-mm. acting right there. She's just like, I know that I can't count on her. I can't count on Baelish, but what I can do is figure my way to, like, not be in her direct line of sight. Um, and then Baelish kisses her, which ruins that whole thing that she had went through with that acting job, and that's whenever he, um, she had to get, he had to, uh, when she got pushed through the moon door, and that was just the end of that. But I, I wanted to acknowledge that Sansa does, at, like, at this point, she knows the game a little bit more. Oh, yeah, Sansa bosses up this season, because this when we first see her in her Dark Phoenix moment, when she comes out in the all black, mm-hmm. and when she goes in front of the rest of the Tullys who are still out there, and basically tells them a whole load of shit. The so, Arns. Oh, those are the Arns? Yeah, the Arns, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the rest of them, and tells them a whole load of shit so that Baelish doesn't get killed right there. So this is her first moment when we really see her playing the Game of Thrones and playing the win. So she's definitely bossing up. And speaking of bossing up and your boy Nightwing, I guess, <laughs> um, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't. He knows how to fly. <laughs> oh, uh, not really. <laughs> no, he does. That's why he has no fear when he does it. He um, believes he can. Well, no, um, I mean, no I'm going to continue. I mean, because yeah. y'all, y'all skipped like two episodes going into, because y'all had to talk about the moon door. I mean, we just, yeah, we just, you know, we, you know. Because there's, there's not a, there's like, not there's a lot to yeah. skip okay, over. I'm not blind by line, right? Like, no, but just, just go on the major points. Yeah, but the major points are my man pushing her through the moon door. <laughs> it's the major point. That's that fact. Is, yeah, I mean, look at that two hand. Fuck off. Oh, before we. So why is it called the moon door? Get off me. It's so this is something they they kind of they kind of glow over for um the irons. So aren't they like the is an importance why they call it the moon door? Yeah, they call so the irons. So, so, so y'all know listening, you guys listening, y'all know mm-hmm. what the moon door is, right? So the veil is basically on top of a rock with nothing under it. So very high up. That's one thing I wish they'd explain a bit more because it's really cool. The veil is probably the coolest of the regions, like to have like their cow, their castle is set up. So. Um, each of the bannermen, like there's a different, there's three different gates, and there are different levels of the mountain that mm-hmm. they're that the main castle is built on. Um, the first part is I forget what the first gate is, whatever. Um, and then there's a second gate, 
And then there's a third gate slash the castle, and that's the moon ca- gate, the moon castle. The bloody gates are the first one, then, right? One of those is the bloody. Bloody. Yeah. And then, like, it's the, because it's the highest and it's like touching the moon, that's the moon one. And then, like, their cells, they don't have, like, they literally, if you go to their um, dungeon, there's no dungeon. Like, it's like you go into the um, wherever their cells are, and it's just the only wall is the wall where they let you in. The rest of it is just a, a face. Yeah, we, we, of saw, a cliff. The, we saw the right. material. We saw yeah. the material in there. Yep. So the, that's how the whole thing is, though. The, you get up on the system, they have a pulley system to get up and down and get supplies and stuff. Um, and you see, because um, Robert and Ned were raised there by John Arn, um, Robert has a lot of bastards at the Vale, which they don't reveal in the show. And there's a really cool. Um, Robert Bastard at the Veil and her name I forget her name but she's like she can do like all these really cool things she can climb up the mountain she um, has like a sense where she can figure out things without before they happen and stuff um, and the Veil itself like all of her Bannermen like they they respect the Arn so much because there's like there's so many different things going on that keep that system working mm. and nobody can siege besiege them because it's so difficult to get up any of the levels without somebody like being on the inside. Right. Right. So that's one of the reasons why nobody's ever, like people respect the veil and that's what they respect the irons and they don't really F with them. And they're not <laughs> they trying to get to. pushed off the moon door. Right. Or into one of the cells. You don't want you don't want that. Which life. remains interestingly just open, yeah. just for anyone to fall in and die at any moment in time. Mm-hmm. So let's see what else do we have this season. We have we already distressed the purple wedding. We distressed the push off. We've got. <laughs> That's what you're calling it. Push off. get off me. And uh, we had Daenerys doing about nothing. Yeah, um, Tatiana wanted to talk about Tommen, her I nightly. Mean, no, no, no. I said what I said. What about him? I mean, Tommen getting gamed, you know, by Marjorie. Just the fact that he's now in play as a, as a movable chess piece now. Mm-hmm. And he gets moved. Yep. <laughs> by Tywin and by Marjorie. Yeah. Um, and that's why, like, oof. when you say Cersei is being petty, she's also being petty, but she's also desperate because she sees Marjorie making these moves. She sees Tywin making yeah. these moves. And both of them are taking her son away from yeah. her. Yeah. And interestingly, the the dynamic between, I, I th- which I found very entertaining, the dynamic between Marjorie and Cersei. Oh, my God. It's, it, it, for Cersei, it's a few things going on here. Obviously, it's the mistrust because she sees what Marjorie's ulterior motives are. She knows what the point is. But she's also seeing herself. She's seeing a reflection of Cersei. Is seeing a reflection of her younger self. She's seeing a reflection of her own ambitions being come to life. So if 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 Cersei's ambitions could be personified, it would be Marjorie Tyrell. It would be this person who has the looks, the youth, mm-hmm. the the know how, the intelligence, all that stuff to make these things happen. So Cersei at this point is in a position where she she can't make as many moves as she really wants to, but she's seeing this happen in front of her. So she's she's. Essentially, in, on a quest against Marjorie, like, you're not going to do this in front of me. You're not going to play me to my face. The other part of that is that Cersei, we see this in uh, the next season when we finally see the whole prophecy yep. being told to Cersei. Right. So Cersei's mm-hmm. had this prophecy her whole life, is that all three of her kids will have crowns of gold. And shrouds. And, and shrouds. shrouds. So one of her kids has already gotten this golden shroud. And the other part of the prophecy is that she will be replaced by a younger, more beautiful queen. So she sees Marjorie coming up, and she sees her first son dead. 
So she's like, oh, shit, this shit's coming on, true. Prophecy yeah, on shit, now. This shit is working, so yeah. I got to do whatever I can to stop it. So that's also her problem. And it also explains how she treats Sansa. Even though mm-hmm. Sansa is not a threat, nope. so that's why she treats Sansa that yeah. way. Because, again, that prophecy, younger, more beautiful queen. Yep. So everyone, um, their fan theories are like, it's Sansa, it's Marjorie, mm-hmm. it's Daenerys. Because like, they're all younger, more beautiful queens yep. who are vying for, like, vying for the throne yeah. at some point. Who knows if Sansa will ever try for it again? I feel like she's done. But who knows? Um, But another, like, while we're on Cersei, that rape scene. Mm. Yeah. I just want to acknowledge, like, how, again, the show goes out of its way to do really violent stuff that is not in the books. Yeah. And this was a problem. That was a a very huge problem for me, that scene, that, that episode, particularly because of what you said, that I found out later that it was never in the books. It was never really necessary. So why did the showrunners or the writers or everybody decided it was okay to throw that in there? I'm not... This is when I started, another reason why I didn't like season four, because I started questioning motives, because I didn't understand, like, what are you trying to show? Like, we've already seen vast levels of brutality, and not that you're not going to stop seeing brutality, it's just like certain things are not required. So you see the brutality of Sansa that happened the season before, when she was almost getting raped and all this other stuff, or, 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 you know, going through it, really. And then for it to happen again, where you have a situation of incest and rape, and it really besmirches Jamie's character for no yep. good reason. Right. You know, and it's something that with all his redemption later on, that still can't really be reconciled. And so it's kind of just like that was pointless. Yep. And it doesn't do anything. It doesn't motivate or move their characters in any way. It's kind of forgotten after this scene. And it doesn't make yeah. any sense. Like, it's really sad because not just because not in like the man's way, but like in the fact that like it would get, once again it's unnecessary um, and that like Jamie's redemption arc starts then like before then yeah, yeah but he's like whenever but even like him going to Brienne and being like you mm-hmm. be the person that brings the, makes sure the Stark girls are okay I don't yep. my sister's tripping don't even worry about that I, cause he like he is starting to see what's wrong with Cersei. Yeah. But him to, like, rape her means he's worse than Cersei. And then it's also bad because he rapes her, and then a few episodes later, because they're going back to the book, Cersei confronts her father, screams on him, and is like, look, you know, me and Jamie are going to fuck, whatever. And so it's weird that she's like, I love you, Jamie, after yeah. you just raped me. Yep. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's also indicative of what they say about about victims, in that situation, how they go back to their tormentors and all this other stuff. But again, I just, I didn't see the point besides to say how how bad can we make it? Basically. I, like, I didn't understand so rape, why do we need to see this and why do you need to subject the Cersei character to this? Right. And then like to rape the mother of his children and on the, like the body, like right beside the body of one of their dead Right children. beside the body of Joffrey. Yeah. Th- this happened in, in Joffrey's what, 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 what tomb room or whatever you would call it, shroud yeah. room. It was, a, it was just... Yeah, I really, I you can tell there were like very few, if any, women in that writers' room for that episode. It. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Rainey, and um, yeah, that that like I say, because Jamie is one of my favorite characters, and that just makes him. It, it doesn't make him, you know. It's tough to redeem him from that one. All right, a couple other things, big things for this season. We haven't talked about the snowman up on the wall. <laughs> And <laughs> you mean in the, like I said, loafing with the wildlands and, and, and doing all this extra shit. And I mean, you know, get you know, so, hey so, man, so, hey. So, so basically, because the Night's Watch and John just riles up that whole region in the north with the wildlands, and they like 
yo, we're going to come at you. And, and and it becomes this big fight, really. Literally, it becomes a fight. They, but they didn't rile them up. Like, they felt they, because, like, season three is they heard stirrings of the wildlings doing stuff to come across the wall. And they're like, mm-hmm. let's go investigate. The wildlings always do this, though. They, they've made it a no, point No, Mance Raider, this is the first time a big group of yeah. wildlings have ever come together because Mance Raider suddenly like, was able to, like, negotiate and get them all to come together. Because if you hear listen to the season, like, they're like, the giants, like, they didn't want to F with us, but now they're coming. Mm-hmm. The can they're seeing they're seeing that the White Walkers are getting worse, so they're now they're coming. So everyone for the first time ever is grouping up. Yep. On so the from side a of united front, yes, yeah. that's the first time yeah. that yeah. everyone's getting together. Yes. So it's, they know that's a real threat to yeah. the Night's Watch. And so they bring it to the Night's Watch in one of the illest episodes. There's a huge battle at the wall. And we were talking about how in um season eight, the upcoming season, they say they're gonna have the longest battle ever. But this episode has one of the longest battles, and probably I think this is the first major battle that was actually shot and shown because up until this point right before that it was always well no the battle of Blackwater Blackwater was the first one Mm -hmm. this is the second before that, it'd always be like, oh, we're about to go to battle. Cut yeah. to after battle. Right. Like, you know, Rob. Save that budget. We didn't even see Rob fight ever. <laughs> ever. Ever. Budget, baby. Yeah. Budget. <laughs> Got to save it somehow. So this this is a really long, well-done, well-directed battle. It's really ill. There's a great one-shot when they follow, um, what's his name, Redhead. Uh, as he's Tormund. In, yeah, Tormund as he's inside the wall, and you follow him, and then you go, and then it goes to Jon Snow, and it's all the stuff inside the castle. It's a really dope, you know, just how uh, geometry, how everyone is kept, like people are on top of the wall fighting, people are down at the castle mm-hmm. fighting, and how they show everything and keep everything moving. And something that the director of the new battle episode talked about is the trick is having emotion in the middle of these battles so it's not just swords, you know, clanging against each other for 50 minutes. And this does that so well with Samwell, with Gilly, with everybody. Yeah, with Egret. Oh, I mean, <laughs> fucking Ollie. It's it's like, it's so ridiculous because, like, when Stupid you watch it again, kids. John, I mean, John gets Egret killed. Mm-hmm. Like, he tells Ollie, yo, pick up a weapon, do something. And then... You know, Ollie does something. I feel like there's also but a difference in the books is that John is also shooting weapons in that area, so he's not sure if he's the one who killed her ah. or if one of his brothers in the killed books. her in the books. Yeah, okay. So he's well, it was clear on the TV show, who right? Did <laughs> but in the like in his in his heart, like after this, he's like, oh crap, oh crap, did I did was I the one who did this? And then it makes it what makes it worse is that when Stannis corrals everyone, everyone and once they get on the other side of, of um, Castle Black and everyone's together, and they decide, oh, we need the wild. Because wildlings, because we don't have enough men, mm. we're gonna make this work out. Yeager could have lived. Yep. If it just. If they just. Yeah. Chilled this for out a before. Yeah. 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 But um, you know, the whole thing with Ollie, the kid, it wasn't just John saying, you know, pick up a weapon to fight. I remember that it was just kind of this whole also journey for the kid as well yeah. about how to become a man of the Night's Watch, mm-hmm. how to become, how to get courage and just make shit happen he for yourself. Killed his parents. You know, so, so this kid is like he he he's coming into his own and he's doing what's necessary and so you can't get mad. I mean, you can get mad at him, but you also can't get mad at him. No. Like he's doing what's supposed to be done. And, he, yep. and in any other circumstance, you wouldn't have blinked twice that no. this kid. Bo- it was bow and arrow, right? He bow and arrowed yeah. uh, uh, Egret. Mm-hmm. And also, she was 
you it's debatable whether or not she's about to kill John. Right, right. You know, it's very debatable. So I mean her look at her face was like murder. Yeah, it looked like she was about to finish John up. So <laughs> I don't she was already pissed at him. The yeah. fact that you know they had a little tryst and then he clearly was just like, nah, I'm not a wild and I'm not gonna be beholden to the wild. I'm yep. going back to <laughs> And he yeah, he betrayed her, you yeah. know, yeah. and you know, what are you gonna do when somebody betrays you? You're gonna get him back. So Ygritte gets killed, the um Night's Watch managed to fight off the wildlings and the giants and uh, yeah that's that's my question um because in this scene two giants get murked but there's still one more giant right one one yeah, yeah one one okay so one one isn't one of the two who got murked right no here. yeah obviously because he's still he, yeah, he's he comes there back. for battle of the bastards yeah to catch, to catch his <sighs> yeah. L. and so john decides to go out there and confront mance raider um with the intent to kill him you know, mm-hmm. he runs up on Mance thinking he should kill him and get himself killed. Stannis arrives, saving John and running through the wildlings like they're nothing. Butter. Yeah, and like a hot, hot knife through butter. Mm-hmm. And that way John doesn't have to get killed. The wildlings are all brought back to the wall. And that's the end of this season. And we'll see what happens with that, you know, in the next season. And, you know, finally... You know, we talked about his dopeness, and we got to talk about him going out because Oberyn, you know, <laughs> what a catches that L at the hands of the mountain. Like, grand goes, sunrise, grand sunset. Yeah, like, grand just, opening, grand closing. <laughs> like, I mean, season this go, four. This goes back to the whole exposition thing. Like, yeah. exposition legitimately will be the death of you. It's going to be the death <laughs> of me as a viewer. I'm like, why are we doing this? Why are we having this conversation about why you hate me and why your master plan is going to work? He was fine. He yeah. was winning. He was definitely, he was using a poison freaking spear. Yeah, yeah. There is no way this man was going to get up once he finished stabbing so him. Me, so let me build the lead up. So as we know, our, our friend over in, you know, Lando Calrissian, uh, he he's basically, remember how Joffrey died and everyone was, not everyone, but Cersei was basically like, Tyrion did it. Fast forward where Tyrion had to go through a trial and all this other stuff, and Tyrion asked for a trial by combat. Can we talk about what happens to drive Tyrion to be like, F it, trial by combat? Because sure. He he goes, he's on trial, um, and... <laughs> everybody lies on everybody, him. Everybody. Everybody lies Everybody. On him. It doesn't help that like while he was the hand, he pissed off Paisel because Paisel pissed off him. Yep. So, of course, Paisel's ready to go. Um, Varys is like, I already told you, I'm gonna save my neck if it comes between yours and mine. So I don't even know what you thought. And then Shay comes up and he's like, Shay, Captain Savo, I thought don't you were in Pentos. Bra- uh, Bron told me that you made it on the ship. She don't want to be safe. Don't stay <laughs> So like, his face safe. and like, and for him to be the character that he is, where he's supposed to be wily and witty, and he's supposed to like think ahead for things. Like, you would think that he would at least be prepared for like. No, he was he was absolutely he, blindsided by all of the, by the way people came at him and and I mean he he was backed into a corner and everyone literally everyone even people who got nothing to do with him snitched on him and said yeah T- Tyrion did it so Tyrion was pushing the corner where he said look all right if y'all are gonna lie on me I want to trial by combat and when you do a trial by combat you get to choose your champion of course Cersei chooses. The mountain, the biggest, meanest person ever. The, the the biggest, craziest, most baddest dude out there in all the rest of rest, rest of roast and really the earth at this point. Um, and who somehow Tyrion ends up with Oberyn because Bronn wasn't going to do it. Nope. 
Brian was like, uh, Brian, I'm not looking at Brian me. Brian is stupid. Such a great scene between them two. <laughs> Brian is like, Brian is stupid. had some great adventures, bro. But I, nah. I don't think you're looking at me because this is not going to happen. Yeah. Jamie can't do it because first off, like even just if he had the other hands, he yeah. couldn't, like, is he going to be in the middle of his sister and his brother? No. no. So he wasn't going to do it. So who's going to be... The fact that Tyrion asked for a shot by combat, but without even knowing who would champion him, was hilarious to me. So I'm like, who's gonna Why do would it? You th- because he was still on that tip, like, oh, I got all these people lying on me. But I got some, I got some friends in the back, and all the friends was like, no, man, I'm not trying to get killed like that. So we end up with Oberyn as his champion, and this fight occurs. Now, logic will dictate, like, yes, the mountain is this huge monster of a person, and it's like once he he gets to you, you're probably fucked. But Oberyn is not just trained. He's also a wily character. He's also highly agile. He's also acrobatic. He also, as you mentioned, he has this poison spear. He has, if you think about it, he has the speed too. He actually has enough over the mountain to win. And for a time, it looks like it's going to happen. It he looks was, like he he's going legit, to win. But he legit won. Like, all he did was stand there from a distance and watch him, like, watch the mountain just, like, succumb to his wounds. And he would have been fine. Yep. So... But he fails. He, he, he fails. talks a lot of mess. He does. He decides the to get bride. close to him. Like, why would you get close to the mountain? No, so so no. So what it is? It's hubris. Once again, hu- hubris is taking these I- people out because. And let me explain why it's part of it. It's because Oberyn yes had the upper hand, and at this point in the battle, they physically speaking, Oberyn had the upper hand, but mentally he did not. Because Oberyn at this point wanted to and was swearing that the mountain needs to admit that he raped his sister. He needs to admit that he did this and did that. And not only he's doing that, he's also showboating on top of that. And I'm just like, what is your point? Like, at the end of the day, what purpose does that serve besides your own intention? I I didn't understand that. Yeah, that what bothered me the most, and we see this whenever uh, Lord Tywin asks Oberyn to be on the... um, judge committee or whatever for Tyrion's trial is that they like Oberyn actually talks to Tywin and is like oh yeah I know the mountain killed my sister on your orders and Tywin's like are you sure about that I don't think you can I just told them to come go and ransack the city I didn't know they were going to rape anybody he did he told them to like do that mm-hmm. um, and instead of like pushing that he's like oh I'll take the next best thing and I'll take down the mountain when he could have just let the mountain die and then go and like run up on Tywin in the in the dark, like right, like Tyrion ends up doing later. But, but this is Game of Thrones, and things can't be easy. So, long story short, Oberyn fucks up royally, gets his head crushed, <laughs> crushed. like a grape. Yeah, I mean physically crushed because he's showboating and doing all this stuff. Even though the mountain's down, he gives the mountain a chance to grab him. And once the mountain has you, just like, I don't know, an alligator has a smaller animal, it's a wrap. Uh, and he dies to the horror of his lover, um, Ilaria. Ilaria Sand. So. And poor Tyrion, who is was, and counting, poor Tyrion. It was really counting on him to win that one. Yeah. So Tyrion is now facing death. And because he chose this route, no one really can get him out of this. So Jamie decides to come and, with the help of Varys, free Tyrion from the cell before he could be executed. Tyrion decides to go and say goodbye to dear old dad before he gets on that boat. He doesn't care about you, sir. Yeah, and finds Shay up in the bed with the dude. I'm really mad because I think in the book, right, Shay, I don't know because in the show, or maybe it was the script because in the actual episode she doesn't do this, but in the book or the script or the episode, I can't remember which one I read, 
when he walks in the room, she's like, "My lion." Yeah, thinking yes, that it's lion. yeah, thinking that it's Tywin. Yeah, and that's the same affectionate nickname, nickname she has yeah. for Tyrion. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so that was the grimiest level of grime. Tyrion and her fight. She, I mean, Tyrion ends up killing her. And then he goes down the hall to the chamber hall to the toilet room where he finds his dad. On <laughs> taking the, a shit. Taking a shit. And they have a confrontation. He tells his dad, don't call his woman a whore again. His dad calls his woman a whore and <laughs> catches a couple of crossbow bolts to the chest. I think the like the biggest thing there is how Tyrion, like Tywin has been effing with Tyrion's brain his yeah. whole entire life. Entire life. Entire life. And I, they don't talk, I don't know, I don't think they go clear about this. This is the one thing that I feel like there's no exposition on during the show, but it is in a book. Um, they talk about how uh, Tyrion had been married to um, a woman who had been a sex worker before, but they don't ever like talk about like how it went down. He was like a teenager. Oh, they tell that whole story. Th- well, he got married to her. Oh, and yeah. Then that, Tywin- that, no, that's that's yeah. told. That, that's okay, told on the show. I couldn't remember. Oh no, it's, it's completely told and, on the show. Yeah. And so like exposition out the ass. Yeah. And yeah. so whenever he keeps so like but throughout his life. Like Tywin keeps bringing that up, yeah, and he keeps talking about you need to leave them alone. And Tyrion has this complex in his brain where he's like, "That's the only place I can get love. Where I have money, I can get love." And um, he like finds that this man like has been pushing this on him his whole life, and here's here he is, a big old hypocrite. What ha- kind of life has he been living where he's always felt this guilt about not being the best son, not mm-hmm. being able to achieve what he wanted, not being able to like deserve be deserving in his father's eyes. But his father doesn't deserve any of the mm-hmm. like praise or like renown that everyone is giving him because he is a big old hypocrite. Mm-hmm. So he like he's so up in his feelings at that moment, of course he goes and kills him. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because in the books um, I think I talk about it a bit in the show. Like they call him a kinslayer because that's one of the biggest things. It's like it's one thing that his brother is a kingslayer, but yeah. now he's a kinslayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like they like they make his like whole reputation. Like he was already like um, low, the low. low, but here they go, and he's like, oh, he's a kinslayer. Like that's the worst thing to be. Mm. And so that's pretty much it for season four. You know, as we move into season five, right? That's yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you do end this season seeing Arya on her way to Bravos. Mm-hmm. You do get to see, like, at least the beginning of that whole Jacken training stuff that's going to be coming up very soon. We didn't really talk. I mean, Brienne fights the Hound. Brienne fight. I mean, that stuff is. I mean, it's it's, it's important, but yeah. it's but it's not the big thing. <laughs> the mm-hmm. biggest thing. Um, yeah. I feel like the only yeah. other significant thing is that we see the baby and the Night King thing, which mm-hmm. is like yeah, um, like because we don't really know what the process is before that. You just know that Craster sacrifices the yep. babies. But when you see that, when you see the Night King just touch the baby's forehead, and all of a sudden its eyes turn yeah. icy blue, you're like, what is it being is turned this? into a Walker or a white? A, a, a white a. Um, a, walker. a walker. A walker. Yeah, it's being turned into the White Walker. Yeah. The whites are just people dying are, and being raised zombies. from the dead. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure out what happens to the kids. Like, do they progress? Do they, to yeah, they grow? I would assume yeah. they do because you don't see kid White Walkers, do you? And until Hard Home, whenever they bring up the but I, again, I don't know. I don't know. They could be hiding them, and I yeah. just don't know where they are. And then, like, what is that castle that they go to and all that? That's what I'm saying. There's a lot. 
Like, there's still going to have to be some exposition in this last season coming up. As much as we all want to see all these confrontations and all this, there's still a lot of stuff that has not been explained about the White Walkers, where they came from, right. who they are, where they're from. Like, what is that place he went to yeah. where this green light is coming out of the ground right, and into right. the sky? Like, there's all this illness and exactly what they are. And like you said, do these little white babies grow up to be white walkers? You know, White like, babies. Yeah. But, but see, it's, it's also, this is this is a season that has lots of mystical things happening because mm-hmm. you have the white walker stuff happening. You have Bran warging out. And this time he's not warging just for the animals. He's warging into Hodor. Yep. So, foreshadowing. So the fact, yeah. So so warging means like, like in taking control of another actual person. So uh, you've seen this happen. You've seen him get to the Three-Eyed Raven. And, and again, I mentioned with Arya going to Bravo, so she's going to become what she becomes. So you're getting to see the beginning of a lot of just major developments in the Stark children. Mm-hmm. So that is it for this recap of season four. Make sure you join us next week where we'll be covering season five. This is the Castle Black podcast. Um, if you haven't already and you're trying to figure out where do I find Castle Black Podcast, go. I Googled you guys, I couldn't find you. It's because you have to be subscribed to For All Nerds. Castle Black Podcast is brought to you by For All Nerds, DJ Ben I mean, Portia and Tatiana. And that means you have to hit us up on the Apple Podcasts, the Spotify's, the Google Play Music, the Stitcher, the SoundClouds, everywhere where you get your podcasts. Hit up For All Nerds, subscribe to us, and you will get Castle Black. And as usual, you get to follow us again, Castle Black Pod on Twitter. My Twitter name is at Tatiana King. I'm at Portia Avi. And I'm at DJ Benhameen. And you can also make sure you're following the For All Nerds account so you can get all of this content about all kind of geek culture from the perspective of people of color. How to chain your dragon. No. <laughs>